Let us pray. Lord, we are grateful to be here on this Christmas Sunday. Lord, we ask that you would just open our eyes, open our minds, open our hearts to what you have to show us. Let us hear what you want us to hear, what we need to hear. May it come deep into our hearts and minds and change us and transform us to be more like Jesus. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. When Tammy got pregnant back in 1996 for the first time, we did not want to know the sex of the baby. And so on Sunday night, October 20th, 6.45 p.m., Tammy gave birth to a boy. And we were surprised, and we were excited. And what a joy Tyler was for us as Tiffany was a joy for us, too, when she was born. You know, the, there's nothing more exciting than announcing the birth of a baby, right? It was really interesting that that was the busiest day ever of my Sunday life. The one day I told Tammy not to give birth <laughs> was the day that she had Tyler. I was supposed to do a funeral service that night, 7 o'clock. My assistant had to do it for me, and so it was so exciting that at 6.45, I called the church, and I announced that we had had a baby boy. And what a joy that was for the church to celebrate the birth of a baby as they were also remembering the, the long-time life of a, of a long member of our church. Nothing more exciting than announcing the birth of a baby, right? This morning, we are going to go back a little bit in the Gospel of Matthew. We are going to go to Matthew 1, 18 to 25. You know, we've, we've made our way up to chapter 11, but we're, we're backtracking because I wanted to save Matthew 1 for this week and Matthew 2 for next week so that it would be fitting to the, the season of what we were experiencing. And so today we look at Matthew 1, 18 to 25, and we're going to talk about the birth of Jesus. We're going to talk about the names of Jesus. We're going to talk about the impact that all of this has on us as we think about Christmas. We're told in Matthew 1.18 that Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. In those days, when you were pledged to something, it was binding. Once you were pledged to be married, it was like you were married the groom had given a bride price to the bride's father, the final step of the courtship process. It was contractually binding, and they were considered married, even though they did not live together yet. This is why when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, we are told that he quietly was going to divorce her so as not bring public disgrace upon her. But here lies the predicament. Mary was excited about her marriage. Mary was planning for a marriage. She was expecting to be married to Joseph. Then one day, she is visited by the angel Gabriel, and he informs her that she will become pregnant by the miraculous means of God the Spirit putting a baby in her. Now, this would be a problem on many levels. First, she and Joseph were not living together, and so it would be talked about how she had gotten pregnant, right? Was it by Joseph, which would not be a good thing? Or the second 
thing that might have occurred was they would talk about maybe Mary got pregnant by someone other than Joseph. That would be even a worse scenario than the first one. A great barrier in their relationship. And so we see that after Jesus found, uh, Joseph found out about this, he decided he, he was going to divorce her. And so since this was God's doing, God had to help Joseph deal with this, right? God had to bring to Joseph an understanding so that he would not end the marriage, that he would not divorce her. The truth is, we all get into predicaments, don't we? The truth is, we all get into many predicaments, right? Time to time, we come upon things that come into our life, and predicaments occur, and we're like, oh no, what do I do? Right? Maybe even panic occurs. Let me tell you a situation that I went through that, hap that this happened. Um, way back when, I was a junior high director at this church, and I was really close with this one family of my junior hire. And so he was going to have a birthday, and his family wanted to do a surprise party at the house where I was living. And so they had me take his sister, who was a 16-year-old high school girl at the time, they wanted me to take her to my house. She was going to help me get all decorated with all the decorations that they had purchased, get it all ready, and then they were going to come about an hour later with him, and we we're going to have this big surprise party. So I'm driving down the street, and uh, her name's Kathy, and I'm driving down with Kathy, and off to the side in the gas station, we see that there's a car wash. Our high school group from our church is doing a car wash. My car is dirty. I want to support the high school group, right? So we pull in. We get a car wash. It happens quickly. We go home or go to my house. No big deal, right? Well, later that night, I got a call from someone in the church saying that they had received a call from someone saying that they, that this person saw me kissing Kathy. Now, I'm a junior high director. She's a 16-year-old high, uh, high school girl, right? Put that into perspective, right? I'm a junior high director. She's a 16-year-old high school girl. This man said that he had seen me kissing her, which did not happen. So now panic, right? I mean, panic. That could, that could change everything in my life. That, I could lose my job, and, and a lot of bad things could happen. So I immediately uh, was able to find out who that person was. I was able to call that person, have a conversation with them. And in the end, he realized that he was mistaken, fortunately. And he had not called many people. You know, gossip spreads like wildfire, right? He had not called many people. And he, was able, he promised me that he would call all the people he had talked to and he'd let them know that he was wrong. <sighs> Catastrophe averted, right? But before I call, made that phone call, you know what I did? I prayed. I prayed to God that a miracle would happen. Lord, I know that gossip can, can happen so quickly and it's so difficult to stop. Lord, please resolve this issue. And the Lord did in a miraculous way. So Joseph finds out that, uh, that Mary is pregnant, and he has this predicament, right? What is he going to do? It's a great predicament. I mean, he knows it's not his baby. What is he going to do? It would take a great work of the Lord to change Joseph's mind, to, to change Joseph's heart, to, to have Joseph understand the situation in a way that he would be okay with it. And so he comes, or an angel comes to him, and he has a dream. He has a vision from the Lord. He has a vision from the Lord, and we read in verse 20. 
But after he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. It took a, a, a visit from the angel of the Lord to change Joseph's mind, to calm Joseph's heart. Sometimes we have situations that are great in our life, don't we? And we need God to come upon us. We need the Holy Spirit to come upon us. Maybe we even need a visit from an angel to really help us understand that God is with us in our situations. I mean, think about a situation right now that you're going through, a predicament, an issue, a struggle, a challenge, something that's grieving you, something that's weighing heavy on your heart, something that's burdening you. Pray and trust that God will come upon you and help you in this predicament. Maybe you have a, a friend or, or a neighbor or someone that you're, you're walking alongside. Maybe they're in a predicament. Pray for God to come upon you and use you in this person's life to help them see that God can and will work in their life, in their situation. But then we move on. We move on to the scripture where we start to talk about the name of Jesus. Now, names can have important meanings. I mean, if you're like Tammy and I, I mean, we spend a lot of time talking about a lot of different names, right? I'm sure you did that with your children. You spend a lot of time, what are we going to name our children? Now, in our day and age, our names don't usually have particular meaning. Sometimes they do, but not always, right? But we're told about Jesus in Matthew 1.21. It says, She will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Now, the name Jesus is derived from the Hebrew name Yeshua, which means to deliver or to rescue. As we know, the end of the story, we see how Christmas is intimately tied with Easter, right? Christmas is intimately tied with Easter because what happens at Christmas, the birth of Jesus, is culminated in Easter where he dies to save his people from their sins. He was born so that he could sacrifice himself on our behalf, on all who believe would receive forgiveness and eternal life. His existence was so the penalty of our sins could be paid for by the one who was worthy to pay for them. That's why the birth of Jesus is so important that he came into this world for our sake. Now, your name may have a meaning. You may know the meaning of your name. You may not. My name, Christopher, actually means a carrier of Christ. And I think it's very fitting to the calling that God has given me in my life, the carrier of Christ. It would be fun for you to find out the meaning of your name. What does your name mean? And how does that maybe fit into what God is calling you to do and how God is leading you in your life? But maybe your name doesn't have this significant meaning. Maybe you don't see any great purpose through the name or the meaning of your name. But you know what's fun is that in the, in the New Testament, oftentimes when someone would become a Christ follower, their name would be changed. Right? So you remember that Cephas became Peter. And Peter's name meant, meant the rock, right? Remember how Jesus said, on this rock I will build my church. And Peter was the cornerstone for the church. And then you have uh, Saul, who became Paul. And Paul's name means humble. 
And Paul was this great missionary, but if you read the stories of his missionary journeys, if you read the stories of his change from when he was a Pharisee to when he was Paul, the Christ follower, you see that there's this great humility about Paul, this humbleness that where his sole desire was to see people know Jesus Christ. And so we see these people have their names changed to become fitting with the calling that God has for them. God has a calling for you. It might not be meant in your name, but you can know that calling from the Lord and know that your life has purpose and meaning as God has called you. It is important that we understand that Jesus' name not only had an important meaning to save people from their sins, but also an important place among other names. We're told in Colossians 1.15, the Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Jesus is not human as we are because he is not begotten by a human. He is begotten by the Spirit. He is firstborn in that he is first before all things. And when he died, he was resurrected to the, from the dead so that, as the scriptures tell us, when we die, we too, in Christ, will be resurrected from the dead, the firstborn over all creation, the creation he himself created. Even more, we're told that his name is above all names. We read in Philippians 2, 8 to 11. Again, when you see the yellow, read with me. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue and knowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Because of who Jesus is, the Son of God, and because of what he has done, taken on a flesh, dwelt among us, and ultimately to die on the cross, his name is above every name. His name is to be worshipped. His name is to cause every person to bow down in humility. His name is to have everyone be thankful for him because of who he is. His name is to be glorified. This is the one who was born on Christmas Day. This is what Christmas is to be about. Remembering Jesus, the name above all names, the Son of God taken on flesh and coming to dwell among us. In the movie Rain Man, Dustin Hoffman plays a character named Raymond, and Tom Cruise, a character named Charlie. Now, Charlie is, a bro is the brother of Raymond, but for the longest time, most of his life, Charlie never knew that he had a brother. And so one day he discovers that Raymond is his brother, and he goes and he seeks him out, and he finds him, and he takes him from the home that he's staying, and they go on this road trip together. And if you've seen the movie, you remember this one scene where they're in a restaurant, they're eating breakfast, and, and uh, the waitress goes to give them a toothpick, and it gets bumped, and, and all these toothpicks fall out of the toothpick box. And so there's just a few left in the box, and all of these toothpicks on the ground. And immediately, Raymond says a number. And Charlie looks at him like, what? And he says the number again. There's that many toothpicks on the ground. 
And it was a brand new box. And so she counted the few, like five that were left in the box. And she subtracted about how many said that was in the box. And the number was correct. So Charlie gets to this idea. What would you do when someone discovered such a great gift? He takes them to Las Vegas. <laughs> to count cards and to make some money. And they did it until they got kicked out of the casino when they realized they were counting cards. You know, sometimes we realize we have this great gift. This God gives us these gifts. God blesses us. God anoints us with these gifts. And the question is, how are we going to use that gift? Are we going to use it for our own purpose? Are we going to use it for our own glorification? Or are we going to use it to bless God? God gave the prophets of the Old Testament a great gift. A gift to predict the future. And they used it to glorify God by predicting so many things. And one of the things they predicted was about Jesus coming. We read in Matthew 1, 22 to 23, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. The Son of God took on flesh and dwelt among us. God came to be with us. This was predicted by Isaiah, in Isaiah 7:14, in the mid-18th century BC, it is significant because it shows again how true God's word is. It shows how God is real and how the Son of God is truly the Messiah. The truth of God proclaimed centuries before it ever happened. What a wonderful truth to hear. What a tr wonderful truth to to understand what a what a wonderful truth to be reminded of that Jesus came to this earth so that God would be with us what a profound experience that we need to keep in our hearts and minds throughout the year but especially at Christmas time right there's a great mystery here that God would take on flesh to be with us. It shows the power of God being able to do this miraculous act. It shows the love of God as he cares for his people so much to leave the confines of heaven and to dwell among us, to show us his love. As, as Doug read, we have not physically seen God, but when we love as Christ loved, God is seen in us. The manifestation of God is seen in us through the love that Jesus Christ came to show us and to live out. It shows the extent to which God will go to show his glory, but also to show his love for a people, us, who he loves so dearly and so deeply. In all this, I'm sure Joseph is overwhelmed with these thoughts. Mary is pregnant. She's been made pregnant by the Holy Spirit. She's pregnant with the Messiah. He is the, to name the baby Jesus, as we said before, because he's going to save the people. From, I mean, just try to understand that. My baby is going to be the Son of God, and he's going to save the people from their sins. I mean, it's just such a great thought. I would think that it would be so difficult for Mary and Joseph to wrap their heads around this reality. I mean, it was hard enough for us to wrap our heads around having a baby. I remember we, we were home not even 24 hours after Tyler was born. And I kid you not, I, I looked at Tammy and I said, what are we supposed to do now? You know, there's no book that tells you what to do, right? I mean, you're like, this is so overwhelming, this tiny little life, this creation we create. 
We're supposed to care for this child. Mary and Joseph were not only caring for a child, they were caring for the Savior of the world. I mean, talk about responsibility. Talk about pressure, right? And they were trying to take it all in, the presence of God with them. Read the yellow with me. When Joseph woke up, he did what the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate their marriage until she gave birth to a son, and he gave him the name Jesus. Joseph did what the angel of the Lord told him. He did it without delay. He did it willingly with a thanksgiving heart, thankful to God for what God had done. He did it out of love for Mary. He did it out of the love that God had put in his heart for not only this baby, but for the work that God was to have him do. He did it as a faithful husband and as a faithful servant. He did it because he believed what the angel told him. As Joseph received direction from the Lord and faithfully acted upon it, so we too need to seek to listen to the Lord. We need to let the Lord speak to us. I mean, he speaks to us in many ways. If you're open, if you're willing, if you're available, if you're trying to hear, God will speak to you. Maybe it's through a Bible verse. Maybe it's through a sermon. Maybe it's through praying. Maybe through a friend speaking to you. Maybe it's through a vision, a dream. Maybe through a, a visitation of an angel. God will speak to you if you listen. The question is, will you listen? And will you act when God speaks to you? December 1903, after many attempts, the Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur, were successful in getting their plane off the ground and into the air at Kitty Hawk, North Carolina. They are so excited that they telegraphed this message to their sister Catherine. We have actually flown 120 feet. We'll be home for Christmas. Catherine was so excited that she ran to the newspaper editor and she showed him the message and he glanced at it quickly and he said, oh, how nice, they'll be home for Christmas. They missed, he missed the most important message of his day. They had flown an airplane, the first time ever an airplane had gotten off the ground and he missed it. My friends, how often do we miss the meaning of Christmas? We gather with family. We enjoy the food. We open the presents. And we forget about Jesus. I pray that you would in some way do something. Maybe read this passage, but do something. Wrap a pretend baby in a package. I don't know. Open the gift first, right? Oh, Jesus, look, the baby Jesus. Whatever. Do something that reminds you what Christmas is to be about. Don't glance over Christmas and miss the true meaning.